Hello everybody, I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to Inspected Goals. Um, a really different episode um, for a few different reasons. Firstly, it's just me, as you'll notice. It's uh, a pre-recorded video, um, not live uh, as normal. And um, I'm just going to ramble, really. I've got a couple of topics to, to cover. I've got a bit of a Q&A. I'm going to give you Luke's Man City predictions um, as well. Um, I've been away for two weeks and Luke's had a couple of guests on, had three guests on. Albert Simon and Andy, who are all absolutely brilliant. So I really love tuning in uh, as a listener. Um, the reason it's just me this week is because Luke um, got called into um, work today, and so we just—it's very short notice and so not enough time to um, to get to get a guest on. Um, but we nearly cancelled the podcast. I thought, no, nah, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try and do it on my own. And I'm realising quickly <laughs> on my f- fifth take of doing this. Um, how skilled people like FPL General are who do a podcast on their own every week where you just have to keep talking. So I've got some some notes in front of me here. What I'm going to do is, um, it might sound a bit rambly, so you might have to bear with me, is I'm actually on wildcard this week. So I'm going to go through um, my wildcard team or the players I'm considering in each of the positions. Um, but hopefully that will still be helpful for you if you're not on wildcards, um, just because we've got this interesting like four game week window now up until the World Cup where... Everyone then gets a wild card, which is helpful to be to be aware of if you weren't aware of that already. Um, so it's almost like a little four week free hit um, being on wild card um, in in a way. And for yeah, lots of us making transfers now, just got those four weeks uh, in mind. So hopefully a lot of this is still relevant to you, even if you're not like me and and on wild card. So what I'll do is I'll go through each of those positions: goalkeeper, defenders, midfielders, forwards. Discuss who I'm considering, uh, why I'm considering them. And hopefully give you some helpful advice there. Um, we'll then do um, a Q&A. So I've got a list of about 10 questions that people have sent in via the Twitter. Um, there was way more than 10 questions sent in. But if I've not included you, that's probably because your questions already included in what I'm going to talk about when I go through each of the positions. Um, I'm then going to go through Luke's Man City predictions. Um, I won't be able to give you a lot of rationale because he, he's the brains behind that really. But he sent me his team. So some of you might find that helpful. But you'll be able to see that on Twitter anyway, I'm sure, before for the deadline on Saturday. Um, so first, I'm doing this on my own, so bear with me. It's only going to be a short podcast, um, way shorter than normal. And I hope you find this really helpful. Um, so going straight into it, um, goalkeepers. Now, it's an interesting one, uh, this, just because um, if you look at a review in their uh, massive data model, actually the highest projected goalkeeper for the next four weeks in terms of expected points is Jordan Pickford, which is, yeah, interesting and probably one of those picks that actually if you're not on, if you're into kind of looking at data in terms of underlying stats, FB ref using that website, for example, he's probably not the kind of player you'd pick because I think uh, Everton are second or third worst for expected goals conceded um, last season. Uh, this season, sorry, they were right down there last season as well. Yeah, this is where context is really key. So the reason he's highest for expected points is all because of uh, because of their fixtures. Everton have got Palace at home, Fulham away, Leicester at home, Bournemouth away. So kind of almost as good as it can get um, for um, for defensive uh, fixtures as well. So Pickford is, I think, someone that those of you should be considering if on wild cards. Now I'll go over the goalkeepers quite quickly, just because I appreciate that those of you who aren't wild carding are unlikely to be making a goalkeeper transfer. So Pickford is actually where I'm thinking about going at the moment. Another another team I'm considering in terms of defence, and therefore their keeper is is Fabianski. Uh, West Ham are again right up there when it comes to defensive statistics this season. 
Uh, they're doing really well when you look at the at the underlying numbers in terms of expected goals conceded. But interestingly, that's not really reflected um, in the amount of clean sheets. And actually, I had, a, I had a look at it, and they've although they've only conceded um, eleven goals this season, they've conceded one goal in a game seven times. So those goals have been very very spread out. Um, I think they've only had two clean sheets, but they've only conceded. Uh, in fact, they've not conceded three goals or more in a game yet this season in the in the in the league. And the two times where they've conceded two or more, conceded two goals were against Man City and Chelsea. Apart from that, you've got a couple of clean sheets and seven goal games where they conceded one goal. So the the points that Fabianski has and the amount of clean sheets that have a, has a team probably isn't reflective of how good they are defensively. Plus, their four fixtures coming up. Bournemouth at home, Man United away, not so good. Crystal Palace at home, then Leicester at home. Overall, are pretty good. Um, you know, they're playing the best team. They, they've got one top six team there, uh, Man United away, and that's probably the best of the top six teams you could play if you're playing one. Palace, Bournemouth, Leicester, all nice um, as well. In fact, uh, Everton play three of those teams as well, I've just realised. So Fabianski is another one I should consider, but for those of you, again, not wildcarding who aren't thinking about transferring in a keeper, something to consider as well, just in general for defensive transfers as well. I think West Ham could do well defensively the next four games. Um Interesting, interestingly, Kepper is like being considered by a lot of people who are on wildcard. Um, and I think he was a really good pickup like a couple of game weeks ago. I remember hearing uh, uh, Harry, or FPL Harry, he's called on, on Twitter and on YouTube, talk about Kepper um, like a few weeks ago. And he's done really, really well since. And he seems to be pretty nailed in that Chelsea team. And you'd kind of think to yourself, oh, you know, a nailed Chelsea keeper seems like an absolute no-brainer, just like many... People were probably considering at the beginning of the season when Mendy came in at only uh, five, I think. Um, however, again, I think the context here is really important. And if you actually look at Chelsea's fixtures, there's Man United at home first. Um, United, well, they got a really good result this week. But in, in general, it's their defence that's bad. Their attacks uh, is, is one of the best in the league. They've then got Brighton away, playing a lot of attacking football uh, under the new manager. Uh, Arsenal, obviously a bad fixture. Uh, with how good their attack is, and then, and then Newcastle after that, who are performing really well. So I feel like with Kepper, although it might feel like a no-brainer at only 4.5, I think it is, for a Chelsea goalkeeper, um, I think we should be looking elsewhere there when it comes to him. Um, in terms of <clears throat> another option, I think, is uh, Guaita, or Guayata, however you, however you pronounce that. Now, I think he's probably fine. Like In terms of their fixtures, again, they're right up there with the best. Everton away, Southampton at home, West Ham away, and then Nottingham Forest away. Um, but there's just this thing at the back of my mind that I can't bring myself to buy him because I know, well, I believe Sam Johnston is a really good goalkeeper. I don't think Quiet is particularly good in comparison to a lot of the other keepers in the Premier League. Now, realistically, I don't think he loses his place to Johnston. Like, I expected us to see Johnston... I expected when we, we discussed, our podca- discussed it on the podcast at the beginning of the season, Johnston to get given a go at some point uh, in the next... Oh, in the first 10 games, we, we've just not seen that happen. So I don't think Johnson's going to get a go. Um, so, like, I think he's a really good pick as a keeper. I just don't pick him because I'm scared that Johnson's going to randomly play <laughs> if Quieta has a bad game. Um, but that's probably irrational for me based on what we already know. Um, the last one that is probably viable, which is kind of quite funny now, is uh, yeah, Ward and Iverson. I actually think, so I'm recording this before Leicester play tonight. Um I don't think Leicester will get a clean sheet, but if they do get a clean sheet tonight, I imagine the amount of game week 13 wildcarders who own Ward plus Iverson will be really, really high, reactionary based on that. Um, 
in terms of their fixtures, uh, they have got, uh, just having a quick look, who have they got, where are they on this list? Um, they've got Wolves, Man City, Everton, West Ham, so not too bad apart from the Man City game, uh, really. Um, so I think it's only really viable, though, in terms of like picking the best keeper if there's something really substantial you can do with that extra money that it allows you to do. You're essentially saving 0.5 and going Ward plus Iberson rather than Ward plus Quieter, um, Fabianski or Pickford. So, yeah, like maybe consider it. It's only for four game weeks, and if that gets you something else with that cash, I think you can go there with Ward and Iverson as well. Um, again, I said this was going to be quite a rambly podcast, and I'm going off to topic already, but I think when we look back in FBL, like it's, it's important to try and identify where you've made mistakes. I think that was definitely one of my mistakes uh, at the beginning of the season, was going for those two. I think the fact I could save 0.5 and they had uh, and I had two keepers from Leicester um, wasn't like it felt like a good thing because you could get two keepers for 8 million but I think ultimately it was a bad decision because of the fixtures I think if Leicester Leicester probably had the worst opening fixtures of any team and I doubled up on their keepers so I think in hindsight that was a bad decision whereas I think it's more viable now and that's mainly a fixture thing and you know I think there are some people on wildcard 9 or 8 who are who've gone for them, who've done really well since then. So, potentially viable now, even if you feel cursed like me, trying to try and put those things to the back of your mind uh, and to think about it rationally. Um, so, possibly, but my favourite in that list is Pickford, actually, for those four, um, for those um, those those next four fixtures before the World Cup. Uh, moving on to, to defence, again, I'll try and include considerations here and not just keep this wildcard specific, and I think this is where it becomes more like that now, just because... Um, there will be some people considering defensive transfers. Some of you may have removed Cancelo uh, for the blank game week as well, just gone in 12. I think you need to be looking to get him back in as soon as you can for these next four games. City's fixtures are brilliant. Um, and in my head, there are three really clear, obvious best Man City assets uh, to own for these four fixtures if you can, and he is one of them. Um, so if you took Cancelo out, I would look to get him back in. Um, there may be other priorities first, but I think um, in terms of not just his his score so far this season. I think he's the second highest scoring defender actually after Trippier. Incredible from Trippier. Um, but in terms of his, his underlying numbers last season, we know actually that his points didn't reflect the amount, the quality of shots he had last season as well. We probably expected him to score based on the underlying data three or four goals last season and he only scored one. Whereas this season, I think he's matching that a bit more. Um, Trent's a really interesting one. Like in my opinion, if you can get it in, get him in, do it. I think uh, if you don't own, don't own him, I can understand that it's not as scary as normally not owning him because he's not getting many points. Uh, but from just yeah, from watching the game last night in terms of chance creation, he's just as scary as he has been uh, in previous years, in my opinion. Um, the thing is, obviously, Liverpool's defence isn't as good. So a defender for 7.5 or 8, I think he is actually up there somewhere. If they're not actually getting clean sheets in the first place, are they worth it? Maybe not, but I think because of Liverpool's fixtures for the next four, uh, and in general, I think Trent probably is worth that money. I mean, then in the next four, particularly the next two, they've got Forest and Leeds, and again, you know, they could score six or seven in one of those games. Like that, that could happen. So you never know. Trent could come away from one of those games with a couple of assists and a clean sheet, maybe even a goal. So I would, I would want to own Trent for his attacking ability for those next two, but also you'd expect at least one clean sheet from those next two. Um, so I think Trent is, you know, if you're wildcarding, I think you should go for him. That's what I'm going to go for. Um, if you're not wildcarding, try and get him in, but there might be other priorities and he might not it might not, not be as scary to not own him at the moment. 
uh, given their defensive fragility because of injuries. Um, West Ham's defence I've already touched on. I think if you're going to go for one of those defenders, I think Creswell's nice. He's really good value this year. I think he's only 4.8 at the moment, maybe started the season at five and has, has dropped, but takes set pieces, corners, free kicks as well. Um, also, West Ham, as I mentioned already, great fixtures. You've then got Carer, I think you pronounce it, I'm not sure. He's 4.5, seems to be nailed in that defence uh, alongside uh, Zuma as well. I think Zuma has the slightly better uh, goal threat of the two in terms of from set pieces, but he does also kick cats. So up to you, up to you on that one. <laughs> I might well end up owning Zuma and hating myself for it. Um, but yeah, Zuma or Kher, uh Creswell, maybe... Uh, uh, maybe Kufal when he's back from injury. I'm not entirely sure who's first choice on that other side. Um, I'll have to ask, have to ask FPL Irons about that one. Um, in terms of other defenders I'd potentially consider, I think, I guess I wanted to touch quickly on Newcastle. If I own Newcastle defenders, particularly Trippier, I wouldn't be looking to get rid of them if I own them. But for those of you wildcarding like me, I think it's worth for the next four fixtures going without them, just because there are other options when it comes to the quality of fixtures um, for the next four. But in general, they're still really good picks. Uh, the Newcastle uh, defence and people have done some people have done really well out of that doubling or even tripling up uh, with their defence um, as well. So don't panic if you own those defenders just because their um, fixtures now get slightly worse. They've got you know they've got Spurs next and then they've got Chelsea in four game weeks time. I wouldn't don't panic about owning them, but I wouldn't look to buy them uh, at this point. Just wanted to mention them because they're highly owned at the moment. Uh, Palace I've already touched on when I talked about uh, Guaita. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Guaita, Guayata, I don't know. Guitar. Um, I've already touched on their defence in general, but I think if you're going there, Guay and Anderson, both are like good options, both nailed. Um, something that's worth considering is actually in if, if you're wildcarding and you go for a Palace defender, in game week 15, their fixture is more difficult. They've got West Ham away in 15. Um in fact, that's probably not too bad, actually. I was going to say they've got a trickier fixture in 15, and that's when Arsenal and Liverpool also has a, have bad fixtures, so when you might be looking to sell them. But actually, I would ignore that, actually. Ignore that I said that. I think they're, they're, all four of their fixtures are absolutely, absolutely fine. Um, in terms of Arsenal, uh, their defence is still good. I think if you're on wildcard, the triple up in attack is, is viable, but it's a bit more risky because of uh, the four yellow cards that Jesus is on and also other options in terms of forwards. Um so if you're just going for two attackers, which I would suggest that everyone looks to try and do now because most already own Martinelli and Saka, we should be looking to try and buy. Um, I would suggest going for a defender if you can. Um, again, might not be first priority if you're not wildcarding, but you know if you're going there, it's the same thing as last season. Gabriel has that aerial threat um, that others don't have. Saliba, I don't think, has a really good aerial threat. He scored a couple of goals, but from... Uh, from memory, like one of those was a shot uh, from outside the box, wasn't it? And I'm not, I can't remember where the second goal came from now. Um, but in terms of his underlying data, in terms of expected goals, I think the fact he's already scored twice this season isn't necessarily reflective of actually his goal threat. I'm just having a quick, quick look now. So yeah, two goals this season. Yeah, but his XG for the entire season is 0.3. So just because he scored twice doesn't mean he's got the best goal th- threat in defence for Arsenal. Um, I would prefer Gabriel personally um, White's an interesting one I think there's a bit of some people are a bit more reserved about whether he's an option just because uh, obviously Tommy Asu is there um, as well who can play right back he might come in at some point but I think now I think he's probably fine White for the next four uh, the reason I say that is just because Arteta we know he likes to stick with the team when they start to win 
Uh, I know that from we know that from watching the documentary on the, on Amazon Prime. If any of you have watched that, or just from following them last season, as soon as they find a winning formula, or as a manager, he doesn't tend to mix it up uh, much at all. Like, no, really different actually to 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 Pep, who he's obviously learnt a lot from, and when he's from when he used to be at Man City, actually it's quite a different approach, but also not blessed with the same squad depth as Man City. So I think Gabriel, if uh, money's no issue, but White White is a really nice. Um, if you want to save a bit of money there as well. Um, Saliba, just as nailed. Uh, sorry, more nailed than White um, uh, also, but doesn't have the same goal threat as Gabriel. So, yeah, obviously I can't touch on everyone, but they were just the defenders I wanted to uh, to mention for now. I suppose also Chelsea defenders, I would... It's too nerve-wracking to own them now. Now we know James is out. I've owned Cucurella for the last two. And this game week, it was absolutely fine. He got subbed off on the 62nd minute. Uh, and got the clean sheet, so that was great. But the game week before, he went off at half-time. And in general, we saw last game week five transfers from Chelsea. Um, and so I would be reserved in general about uh, owning Chelsea players at the moment because of uh, Graham Potter and the national pottery, as I like to call it. Um, midfielders. Again, I can't touch on all midfielders, but I wanted to kind of identify a few um, kind of major decisions that people are facing at the moment. And this this seems to be one of the main topics this week. I think this is something that we'd have had as one of our headlines in the podcast uh, if the two of us were doing it, is, you know, Saka and Foden, what do you do in that situation? Um, I think everyone's trying to get both of them, but most people don't have uh, either at the moment, and that's because they both bounce. A lot of people have sold them, and a lot of people are a transfer behind because of the Madison yellow card and they're needing to take a hit last game week, um, etc. Um so I would this game week I would prioritize Foden probably, um, and I would get Saka next week for when Saka plays Forest in fourteen. That is the order that I'd go for it. Um, the reason being that Foden has the the rest this week. Remember Arsenal have had the rest in the Premier League, but they're playing tonight, or they've already played in the Premier League in the Europa League, depending as uh, to when you're listening to this. Um, now, yeah, I, Foden. The, the key thing the difference between these two is obviously the minutes. Um, and that's why I would normally actually, and you know, for example, at the beginning of the season, I, I owned Saka from game week one and sold him at the completely wrong time a few game weeks ago before his haul against Liverpool. But the reason I liked Saka was that he was nailed. I thought at the time he was probably on penalties. We, I think, can be even more sure of that now. And the risk was with Foden was minutes, whereas I think now with Foden's minutes, uh, I think they're quite high, his X-Mins. I think because they're through in the Champions League already, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him start all four of the next four games. Maybe he gets one rest, um, but I reckon he starts all four. That would be my read in it. So I would go for Foden first, particularly because he's had the full week rest going to this weekend, Saka the week after. Um, and yeah, when it comes to Arsenal's penalties, I know there's been some situations of players winning the penalty and then taking it uh, as well. Uh, so that does uh, sometimes happen. I think even though Saka's taken the last two, took a high pressure one against Liverpool and the one before that as well, I think if, if Martinelli won a penalty, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take it, or Jesus, just because we've seen that happen in the past with them. So I think he's on penalties, but that could change. Um, in terms of other midfielders, um, uh, De Bruyne, I just think, is a no-go now. Uh, the reason I think that is because of what I mentioned before. I think there are three really clear, obvious Man City assets. Haaland and then Foden and Cancelo that I've already mentioned. That I think is the best way to go now. Um that's that's the main reason for that, and in terms of uh, value, I would just avoid him because Cancelo seems so nailed, and as an alternative, and how good they are defensively, 
and we've got Foden, whose output could end up being as good as KDB's by the end of the season, is one of the most underpriced assets in the whole in the whole game so far this season. Um, Zahar and Bowen, a lot of people own. I would uh, yeah look to hold them. So in terms of looking at the next fixtures, uh, West Ham have got Bournemouth at home next. Uh, Palace have got a really good next four fixtures, as, as I've already mentioned. So I'd look to hold them. Uh, I wouldn't be switching either of them to Saka or Foden this week. I'd look to get them out in another way. If you own Zahar and Bowen, there might be that you just need to let one go. But I know a lot of people um, already sold Bowen uh, last week anyway. Um, uh, why did people sell Bowen? Oh, because he was playing Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people wanted to get Salah in. Um, so, yeah, still really good options. I wouldn't go for them. I wouldn't be going for them on wildcard. I wouldn't be looking to buy them, but absolutely fine to hold. Both really good options still. And Martinelli, just, just own Martinelli. He's really good value, really good fixtures. I mentioned Foden being the most underpriced asset in the game. It, it might be Martinelli, actually. Um, forwards, we're getting there. Look, 20 minutes in. I'm good at rambling. Hopefully it's not been uh, too much nonsense and too much repeating myself. Uh, forwards, just own Haaland. I mean, what else is there to say? I think if you sold them this week to try and get in Salah or sold them this week um, for Kane, for example, I'd just try and get Haaland in as soon as you can. Uh, just just reverse that straight away, um, definitely. Um, I mean, it's not a lot to say there. He's an absolute robot, absolute machine of a player. And I think the captaincy is interesting this weekend. I think his EO is going to be like 150% plus, I would imagine. But there will be a lot of people on... Um, Salah, who own him as well, I think. I could be wrong about that. I'm I'm very tempted by Salah. For me, it's a minutes thing. I think the fixture's obviously way better for Liverpool. Um, Haaland's also got a very good fixture. Uh, for me, it comes down to minutes. Maybe I'll edge towards Haaland because of that whole week rest he's had. And I might put his minutes high enough that I consider going for him, but it's close between those two. So you need Haaland in. Like if you, Even if you do captain Salah this week, you could easily end up captaining Haaland for the three after that. So, yeah, best best asset in the game, best player in the league so far this season, highest point scorer in the game, don't overthink it. Um, I wanted to touch on Darwin. Um, what I'd say about Darwin is he's great. Like When he plays, he's brilliant. I think we just need to watch out for keeping an eye on his minutes in terms of, I think, I guess long term we'll get more of an idea of it. The sample size is so small in terms of how he's been used this season not just because we're 10 game weeks in, but he had a three-game ban as part of that, so we've only really had seven to eight games to work out how many minutes he's going to play. But when he's on the pitch, so so far this season, his non-penalty expected goal involvement per 90 uh, is higher than Haaland's. His his non-penalty XG per 90 is higher than Haaland's. (laughs) And so he's so involved, and obviously that's a really small sample size, and I'm not suddenly saying he's going to score more than Haaland, but it looks good. Like In terms of the chances he's getting, he looks absolutely brilliant. So if you think he's going to start three out of the next four, or start all of the next four. Try and get try and get Darwin in. Also, keep an eye out for the news. I know there was he didn't train today. Um, I read that on Twitter earlier, and Klopp mentioned his post match interview. The fact that he'd had the there was hamstring or some some kind of muscle soreness. So, so I would, um, yeah, I would uh, try and get him, but keep an eye on the news. It might be that you, a lot of people can't get him in this week if they're prioritising Foden or Saka. But I think he's well worth it, particularly for these next two with Forrest and with Leeds. Like we could see a hat trick in there. Uh, in terms of how involved he is when he's on the pitch, great. It comes down to minutes. I think if you become really confident confident in his minutes, he's a great asset to own at his price. Uh, I wanted to touch on Mitrovic because a lot of people own him. I think he's still great value. Um, he's on penalties. He's a 90-minute man. And there's no desperate need to sell him. Um 
He's won actually for wildcard. I'm actually considering still owning him because their fixtures are still good. Um, Fulham's particularly for the next two. They've got Leeds and Everton. It's after that they've then got City and Man United. So he's one to consider for the next two, but maybe selling uh, around game week 15 um, uh, as well. So maybe similar to like Zahara and Bowen, don't be rushing to get him out, but um, still looks great to me. Um, his use is an interesting one. It depends how risky you're feeling because he's still such a good option. His XGI is one of the highest in the league. His is but is the highest in his team uh, as well per 90, um, even though he's not scored that many goals. Um even though he's not on penalties, he, he's a really good option, and I would just be yeah nervous about the fact he's on four yellow cards. If he gets if you get him in this week, and then suddenly they play um, Southampton, and he picks up a yellow, you, you then miss the Nottingham Forest match. So maybe one to consider for the week with the week after. Um, so yeah, st- still still a player to consider there. Um, Tony's also on four yellow cards, just so you're so you're aware of that as well. Um, Great, 25 minutes in, smashing it. We've gone through goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and forwards. I know I've not mentioned them all. I just wanted to, this is kind of just my general thoughts on kind of the state of the game and players at the moment and who we should be uh, considering for this last four game stretch. So hopefully it's helpful um, for you. Okay, guys, just uh, intervening here. I got to the end of that section and suddenly realised I hadn't even mentioned Salah (laughs) in the midfield section. I must have absolutely skipped past it on my notes. I wasn't avoiding the question. That's someone who's like a big advocate for him. And he's not done very well out of only in this season. Um, so I think, I mean, I touched on it briefly when I talked about captaincy with Haaland, but I would consider captaining Salah. I would definitely hold him. He's got Forrest next. You just have to remember that, like, his effective ownership, his ownership in general will swing massively based on outcome. So after the game against City, he got his goal, played really well. His performance was great. But ultimately, if he doesn't score that goal, his ownership would have been a lot lower. Suddenly, he's not returned against West Ham. Um, and now very, very few people in comparison to Haaland, anyway, will captain next game week. But don't let that you don't let that put you off captaining him if you think he'll score more points in Haaland, that's all I'd say. Um, if you think that him playing really wide is going to be an issue and he's going to score less, then you know react to that and don't captain him, but I definitely wouldn't sell him. Um, I'm a little bit sceptical of that. I think if you look at his heat maps compared to last season when he scored, what was it, 20-plus goals... Um, it's not that different so far this season. We're used to seeing Salah play on the wing. It's not suddenly a new thing. I mean, maybe maybe he's playing a little bit wider, but you know he's still getting shots away. His underlying data is a little bit down on last season, but not massively. I think he's just not really had the rub of the green, not had any penalties yet either. Um, he's been a little unlucky, but I think he's certainly looking better in terms of just uh, uh, over the last few game weeks. That City performance was brilliant, and that a lot of this is just to do with Liverpool looking better and midfielders coming back from injury, etc. So... Don't suddenly react again. <laughs> if you've suddenly bought him, don't suddenly react and suddenly sell him before he plays Forest. In fact, consider captaining him, I would say. I'm not saying I will. I'm not 100% sure yet. Great. Um, I've been through the yeah, midfielders, forwards, defenders, goalkeepers. Great. Sorry, this is quite rambly. Um, I'm just going to move on to some questions now just to finish before I do... In fact, I'll then do the Man City lineup, uh, and then we'll finish up there. So in terms of questions, I've picked out um, about 10 of them in fact, seven or eight of them to go through um, for this week. So I had a question from FPL Naboo, who was wondering, should he do Wilson to Samaka or Tony for a hit? Um, this is a straight, quite a straightforward one for me. Um, Wilson's a great option. He always is. Really good underlying data. Regular goal scorer. When he gets the minutes, the issues with him are yeah, minutes, rest, recovery, injuries. Because um, we know Isaac's out, he's more nailed. Um, I would definitely wouldn't do that for a hit. I think you're potentially... 
transfer transfer him out to for a worse player for a hit, particularly with Tony being on four yellow cards. I think Wilson's still a really good option, so I would not make that move. Clapper um, Gill, good name. Um, ask should I take hits for City and Arsenal players? Um, the answer is I don't know. Like <laughs> it, questions like this, it just depends on the context, depends on your team, depends on which City and Arsenal players. And I kind of just want his users to make a more general point about the fact it just always depends. Uh, you know, in general, when someone asks you advice about their team, unless you really take time to think through it, think through future games, etc., it's hard to give good advice. So when it's just generally for a team and whether you should get take take hits is very tricky. Uh, what I'll say about taking hits in general is that I think a lot of people take them when they don't need to. In general, I tend I tend to make the opposite error. I tend to not take them when I should be taking them. Uh, I tend to be way too conservative and be worried about taking a hit, even when the upside is way greater than the potential downside. Um, so I'd say in general, they're probably a bit overrated in normal game weeks, but underrated in, in, in blank and double game weeks. I think more people should be taking hits then, and I need to take my own advice when it comes to that as well. At FBL Benchwarmers asks, what things should you consider when taking a minus four hit? Oh, as a wildcard, it's lovely to read questions about people taking hits, I must say. Um, how do you calculate if it's worth it or not? How much do you factor in the future ripple effect of the hit also? Um, really good question. I think, yeah, I think this is probably why I'm bad uh, at not taking hits when I should, is because I just think about that next game week. I'm bad at thinking about the knock-on effect, because you've got to remember that you're not only uh, getting the extra points from that game week if you get them, but also you're getting... Kind of ultimately getting an extra transfer on you, you're getting ahead of yourself. So I would definitely consider the transfer I'm going to make the next week, and the knock-on effects of that as well. And but I'm not very good at it. So yeah, how do you calculate if it's worth it? Yeah, think about that next game week. Of course, like that's the obvious thing. Do you think they'll score four points more? Um, but think about it long term in terms of well, what other transfer can I make a week a week early, and what's that going to what's that going to do for me? Um, and also think about well, if I don't take the hit now, will I just end up forcing myself into a hit next week if my team's in real trouble? in which case you might as well do it early. Um, so if you can identify that a couple of game weeks in advance, a game week where you're going to end up having to take a hit, and you can do it early and, and make the most of having that player a bit earlier, that's when it might be, uh, that's when it's often worth it. Good question. Um, question from Tobabs, T-O-H-B-A-B-S. <laughs> it's not a question, actually. It just says Alexander-Arnold. I've already touched on him. I think he's still a really, really good option. <laughs> Still really like him, still really attacking. Um, something I, w- I will say is that I wouldn't be surprised if he does actually miss out this weekend. I only say that because because uh, he's just come back from injury, basically, and then I think he played played 90 then, didn't he? So with that quick turnaround, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't predict him to not start. I'd definitely predict him to start, but it wouldn't be all that surprising if he didn't um, as well, particularly after Milner's really good performance against City, maybe, as well, and the fact they were only playing Forest. So I think I think I think he'll start, but... Um, and I think he's still a really good option and because of his injury return and those other things I've mentioned um, maybe that's possible um, best midfielder not on wildcard that's from Luke Dis. <laughs> that is Luke who hosts this podcast uh, with me, the main man uh, yeah I've already touched on it so Foden and Saka, well worth it and well clear of other midfielders in my opinion in terms of value obviously Salah as well but yeah apart from Salah he mentioned so I prefer prefer Foden personally in terms of as a priority, but they're both should be players that everyone should be prioritising. Thank you, Luke. Mate, hope work's going well for you. Um, question from Mark at FPL Positivity. 
There's <laughs> a funny one. Have we all made a huge mistake by blindly following Zofar666? That is Zofar from the um, FBL Wire podcast, by the way. Absolute legend. Um, <laughs> don't know why he's been brought into this. <laughs> Have we made a huge mistake by following Zofar and spending $13 million on bringing Salah in when injuries mean that Nunes will keep starting and it turns... And in turn means that he'll force Salah wide and he'll also selflessly shoot all the time and not pass to Salah. Well, very negative from FPL positivity. Um, I've kind of already touched on that, but I don't think it's a huge mistake. I don't know why so far has been mentioned. He must be a big advocate of him. Um, I don't think everyone's blindly followed him. People have bought Salah because he's the best asset in FPL for the last few seasons and his fixtures are great. So that's not the reason. Um but yeah, I wouldn't react to the fact he's not scored in the last game week and I would keep him. I think he's still great even though he's playing wide. I mean, he's scored 34 goals in the Premier League season once playing wide. I think all this is a bit overblown, to be honest, particularly even when you look at his heat maps. I might have already mentioned he had, he had six shots, 0.5 XG against West, West Ham. He looks fine. No one, be, no, no one would be panicking about this if he if happened to score against West Ham um, and, he, and he had chances. Um, so be more positive, please. FPL positivity. Um... <laughs> uh, Two other related to Salah. FPL Zahar, will the world accept me if I sell Salah? Um, ask Andy Martin. <laughs> I think everyone accepts Andy Martin uh, and gradually accepting that he might have been right as well, which is painful for many. Um, yeah, the world will still accept you if, you if you sell Salah. You just might get mocked if he scores a hatchery against Forrest. But as Salah owners and advocates, we've been the one that have been mocked so far this season. So we'll see. Uh yeah, it is okay to avoid Salah on wildcard. I think it's... Yeah, I would 100% recommend keeping him. Like, I can't... I've just got to give my opinion on it. Yeah, I would 100% go for Salah. I looked at a team without him and I can get quite similar players. The main thing is that I'd, is that I'd be able to keep Nunes or I'd be able to definitely have Nunes um, and have a, a be- slightly better first sub rather than someone like Andreas. And I'd be able to have a, an extra 8.0 midfielder. Um, but I don't think that's worth it. I would go for, go for Salah. Um, focus on his performances and on it, rather than his output, output as well than when, when you uh, decide whether to keep him and look at that long term uh, Benny Blanco <laughs> joker of FPL Twitter um, he says why didn't you wildcard in game week 8 like all of the elite FPL managers plus me and Randy <laughs> um, he's asking this because I'm wildcarding in 13 and um, he's having a really good season is Benny he doesn't live far from me. I'm also in Liverpool. He's he's on the Wirral. He's not really a scouser, actually, Benny. Although he might tell you he is. Um, he, uh, yeah, so why did I wildcard in, why didn't I wildcard in eight? Because uh, I got lucky, basically. Yeah, in, in game week eight. Most people wildcard in eight and nine, didn't they? The only reason I didn't is because I, when I looked at my team for eight, it was really similar to the game week eight wildcard team. So I got lucky with those blanks that my team was still set up really well. Um, so yeah, basically luck, and I've been fortunate that I've been able to stay with the pack. Really, I don't think I've lost much ground on many people, and done better than some wildcarders as well. And now able to wildcard in thirteen. <laughs> but Benny is having a very, very, very good season. Um, uh, yeah, last question, FPL outcast. Uh, yeah, this is a non-FPL question, but I thought I'd put it in there for fun, just to give my opinion on it, and I found it fun to think about as well. Top three players to never win the Ballon d'Or, completely unrelated to FPL. Um, I, I thought I'd judge this just based on players I'd watched in my lifetime. Um, so kind of since the early 2000s in terms of since I've been watching football. So top three players who had never won the Ballon d'Or. Um, I went for Iniesta, 
absolutely phenomenal player during that era at Barcelona and Spain, winning goal in a World Cup final, just ridiculous. Maldini, like one of the best defenders of all time, maybe the best according to some people. Uh, and then I went for, and people are going to hate this, I went for Neymar. Um, I only say that because I know a lot of English football fans don't like Neymar and they'll say, oh, he just rolls around on the floor. But he does roll around the floor, but he also scores like hundreds of goals and gets hundreds of assists and is Brazil's all-time top, well, very nearly Brazil's all-time top goal scorer ahead of Pele. Like, I think if Messi and Ronaldo didn't exist, I think it'd be a, I think most people would consider Neymar to be the best player in the world over the last decade or so. Up there with players like Lewandowski, Suarez, etc. But Neymar, Neymar's done it for years internationally and in the Liga and for PSG now. He's just had his injury problems, but when he's fit, he's unbelievable. One of the world's best dribblers, uh, one of the world's best goal scorers for years, etc. Um, I know a lot of people won't like that decision of Neymar, so I'll give a quick shout-out to Javi, Buffon, Suarez, Henri, Oliver Kahn. Yeah, other players that kind of crossed my mind anyway. I wanted to put a goalkeeper in there, or two. I put in Kahn and Buffon. Great. <sighs> Didn't manage to do it all in one take. Had to do a little cut there. My mind went blank all of a sudden. Uh, Man City team, um, according to Luke, uh, in goal, Scott Carson. No, in goal, Edison. Then Cancelo, Laporte, Diaz, Akanji at right back. Uh, it, this is all according to Luke's prediction that you've all tuned in for. Uh, Rodri in midfield with Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne, and then a front three of Grealish, Foden and Haaland. You'll be unsurprised uh, to know. Now, I'm not going to add much here because I don't know what Luke's rationale is. Most of those probably actually speak for themselves looking through it. Um, so go to Luke's Twitter and he will post this team uh, on there anyway before the deadline and I'm sure he'll post some of his reasoning behind it as well. And that'll be far more interesting than me chatting now and trying to make all that up without putting much thought into it. Um, great, I hope that's been helpful. Um, very rambly, almost 40-minute podcast. That's great. Nowhere near as long as what we normally do. Um, but still wanted to do something this evening. Hopefully that's been useful for some of you, whether you're uh, on wildcard, whether you're having a good season, whether you're having a bad season, whether you've got one free transfer or two. Hopefully that's useful. Um, thanks so much for listening. We will finally be back next week with the two of us on the same podcast, uh, which we're both really looking forward to. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers.